0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Citizen of the World. Today's episode is going to discuss migration, specifically a real life story about it. That's why we have a very special guest. She's a Cuban citizen who migrated to the United States. Please welcome Romina Diaz. Hello,
1: good morning, everyone. Very pleased to be here today.
0: To place in context, Romina's story takes place during the early 90s, in the midst of Fidel Castro's dictatorship. For those of you who are not familiar with this issue, Fidel Castro was a Marxist-Leninist who took over Cuba's presidency in 1960 after overthrowing Fulgencio Bautista's dictatorship. After some years, he became a dictator who provided some employment, schools and medical facilities, but as well canceled elections, jailed thousands of political opponents, and prohibited any opposition like in the newspaper. Also, he took away the private properties from everyone. During the 80s, Cuba received help and resources from the Soviet Union, which made them an an important country during the time. However, during the 90s, the Soviet Union was destroyed, and this affected Cuba seriously economically. They had less resources, there was not any food, medicine, or work, so the poverty of the country increased due to this fact. So please, tell us a little bit more about your story and the difficulties involved during your migration process.
1: Okay, so my name is Romina Díaz, and I was born in 1961, so when this happened, I was 29 years old. Since the day I was born, my family had just the necessary amount of money to survive, and our education was average. We were in the middle low class, we had a small house with some agricultural territory. I grew up with my mom and my three younger siblings, Jorge, Raúl, and María My father died when I was young so that's why the responsibility of the household fell on me as soon as I turned 15. That is when Fidel Castro's dictatorship started to get serious and dangerous. Cuba's situation started to get worse as time went by and eventually I had to leave college so that I was able to maintain my family. So this went on for a long time, about 10 years in which we struggled to find anything to eat. We had no income, But thankfully, we had a small house my dad had bought before he passed. So unlike a lot of people, we had somewhere to live.
0: Oh, so you stayed there 10 years before you decided to migrate?
1: Yes, but it was mainly because I had to help raise my younger siblings.
0: Okay, and when did you decide to migrate then?
1: Well, I had always thought about doing it in order to save my family, but I never took the chance because it was too risky. After all, I didn't have a passport, and the only way I could do it was illegally. It wasn't until my mom received a phone call from Fidel Castro's men demanding that we give them all of our agricultural territory and part of our house that I seriously considered leaving Cuba, my home. We couldn't deny them anything, so of course my mother agreed. We couldn't say anything publicly because there was always the chance that we may get killed. I simply knew that I had to leave if I wanted to survive. But I wasn't the only one thinking about it. One of my closest friends, Leave his identity unknown for the sake of confidentiality was considering it too. We would meet often and talk about the possible plan that we could that we would have to follow in order to escape. It was a plan used before by some of his other friends. He would call these friends and ask them how they were doing and surprisingly they would tell him that everything was better and that living was the best thing they ever did.
0: So that's when you decided you wanted to leave. What were the complications you had?
1: Yes, I had various problems. I had a few things still attaching me to that place. It was very dangerous for me to take my family, because if we got caught, who knows what would have happened. I couldn't risk their safety. Now, while I was considering all of these other issues, my friend kept pressuring me to make a choice, because if I took too long, his plan may fail.
0: And when did this took place?
1: The beginning of 1990
0: oh that's when thousands of cubans decided to migrate to florida due to the economic situation right
1: exactly that's why the united states and cuban government decided to create the wet feed dry feed policy
0: oh that's the policy in which if you were found in the shore of the american territory the government was obligated to let you into the country on the contrary if you were found by the marines in the ocean they have to take you back to cuba it is surprising how millions of people try to migrate from Cuba to Florida, even though they risked their life during it. It was very dangerous, since on that area you find a lot of sharks and the ocean currents are savage. One small false step and they could drop you in the Atlantic Ocean. To top it all off, migrants didn't normally travel in big boats, rather in small homemade boats. So how did you manage to do it?
1: Yes, you're right. Um, we all made homemade boats from the materials we could find. Some of us made them out of tires, car doors, wood, ropes, and any materials that could float. Together with some of my friends and some other strangers, we created a plan. Made a boat and took our chances. Whoever died, died, and whoever survived, well, lucky them. On March 3rd, 1991, we left with all the food and resources we could get. The distance from the coast of Havana and Florida shore was about 144 kilometers. We traveled for almost two weeks. Many people died out of hunger and our resources were very low, but we were almost there when one morning we heard some boats approaching. They were the Marines. Due to the wet feet, dry feed policy, they needed to take us back to Cuba. We were taken to the Guantanamo military base, Cuba.
0: This base was located on East Cuba, but was part of the United States government since the beginning of the 20th century, right?
1: Yes, uh, they maintained us there for a couple of months since Cuba didn't want us back. Neither did the United States, but hundreds of people started to arrive every day, so eventually it got too crowded, and they took us to another refugee camp they had in Panama.
0: Well, that makes sense, since the United States hadn't given the Panama Channel back to Panama yet, and it was still their territory.
1: Precisely. We were taken to this camp for another couple of months. The situation was getting pretty rough, and I didn't know how to stay there in the United States. After all that desperation, that's when I devised my plan. I would seduce a Marine and have his baby. This baby would be my salvation since in the United States, they take this stuff pretty seriously. The baby would get an American nationality and this would let me stay in the country.
0: That was a smart and creative decision. I suppose the other ones did not have this opportunity. What happened next?
1: Of course, after this, I didn't have the chance to see my friends Again, I am not completely proud of what I did, but it was my only option at the time. Eventually, I moved on, and after more than one year of living in Cuba, I arrived at Miami. There I worked as a waitress while learning English and taking care of my baby. Nowadays, I work as a doctor in New York, and my son recently graduated college.
0: That was such a touching story. Thank you very much, Romina, for letting us have you here today. It was my pleasure.
1: No, thank you so much for having me. It was very nice of you to invite me.